Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about whether the church is really necessary. Is it important to be a part of a church? Should every Christian be in church? Is it possible to be a thriving Christian without church? But first, it's time for story time. Yeah, so uh, we've talked about we can either tell a story or a joke. And I've been kind of conflicted because I have lots of great jokes that I'd like to tell. Uh, but you know, you were pushing me for a father son story since this is, well, it's, it's story time. We made a concession that you can choose to tell a joke <laughs> instead if you want, but, uh, my dad has stories coming out of his ears. So I think it's this week. Let's stick to story. Okay. So, so I'll tell the story of when, uh, it was about, it was about two weeks before my 15th birthday and I got home from school and my mom said, I don't know what you've done, but you better get your butt up to the store. Dad wants to see you right now. My dad owned a carpet business, a flooring store, Mm. and it was about uh, two and a half miles from our house. And so uh, I hopped on my bike and I'm riding to the store and I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? I'm racking my (laughs) brain for why in the world he could be upset with me. Sure. So I go into the store and uh, they said, hey, he's in his office. And he, you know, the other salesman, they were like, he's in his office. And they make this face at me. So I go in there and I sit across his desk and he says, he leans forward and he said, I am going to beat the crap out of you. He didn't say crap. I was going to say, that doesn't sound like your dad. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, what have I done? He said, follow me. And we go out into the warehouse and he opens the door into the warehouse and he points in the corner and there is a Husqvarna 125 motocross bike that I'd been dreaming about. And it was for my birthday, which was going to be in a couple of weeks. And it was turned into one of the most, uh, you know, memorable moments of my life because he scared the crap out of me. But he also gave me this incredible gift. So it was a little bit rainy outside. And we take that bike out in the street in front of the store. And he's going to show me how to ride it. And uh, he pops the clutch in first gear. And the thing is so... (laughs) I mean, this thing was wickedly powerful. It was a 125. I know, but it was, it, the guy had souped it up for racing. Uh-oh. He bought it from a Husqvarna mechanic. And that thing came out, it wheelied, and when it wheelied, his hand kept giving it oh, more gas because no. he couldn't get his hand off the throttle. And it drug him for about 15 feet, <laughs> and then he just let go, and, it, and, it, and he crashed my new bike. Oh, my goodness. Before I even got to get on it. So it was a, it was a great story. So jokes on you, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> I never met your dad. It sounds like watching him uh, uh, mess up something was not common. So that might have been a that's true. A he good story. he was pretty good at just about everything he did. So uh, yeah, yeah. So there's my story time. Well, that's awesome. So let's talk about the church. Um, you know, uh, church attendance is on the decline. Um. No more so than here in our region, I think. Well, that's, yeah, it's, uh, church is not popular in the Pacific Northwest. Sure. But even among millennials, you know, there's, uh, there's a, there's a decreasing value placed on being a part of a church and how right. important is a church. So, you know, you just got out of college a couple of years ago. What, yeah. what's the feeling of this, of the people in your generation about church? Well, I am, uh. I notice more and more that I am maybe detached from my my uh, fellow um, 
of people of my age. I I, uh, I don't know if I share in the, you know, the hive mind. Um, but I know that it's a uh, it's not it's not a priority. That's for sure. Or uh, or certainly not to the level that it is the uh, the generations before me. Um, and even among Christian millennials, I went to a Christian college and uh, post post college and in that environment, I know church is not always the highest priority. So it is really interesting, um, on a cultural level, the, the difference in, uh, in esteem that, that maybe millennials, or I, I think I'm right at the end of millennial, almost uh, gen Z, uh, that we have on the church. And I know statistics for, uh, college graduates going back to church is low as well. Or people, people who leave the church to go to college, yeah. uh, have a harder time finding their ways back. But a lot of that is, um, the church is, you know, undeniably now a religious institution. So say you're following Christ and, and along, I would say among millennials specifically, there is this value of authenticity, right? Maybe more so than generations before it, where, uh, where that is, that is the currency of the, of the age is kind sure. of punching through, um, fake or plastic exactly or performance or right and that's why all this stuff you know like just be you because that's the authentic thing mm-hmm. and uh sometimes you could see that as uh your natural debased instincts are the real thing and that's why i think we get into these um humanist swings uh, with millennials but uh so and, and the church has a hard time coming across as authentic and uh, why do you think that is why why do churches have a hard time being authentic i think because it's 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 difficult for us to be we have to hold each other to a code and we have to hold each other to a code that none of us can really hold perfectly mm-hmm. so there's almost even in authentic churches there is a hey don't do this but if you do you can talk about it right, and that's kind right. of that's already difficult to do yeah that's true so and and I, my thought is people walk into a building and they think everybody in here has their act together except right. me and so I'm the one guy that if they find out sure. what's really going on in my life, they're going to go, what are you doing? Yeah, here? they're going to take my card away and yeah. <laughs> send me back in. <laughs> and uh, and I think that might just be a misconception because, you know, the Pharisees, when they asked Jesus about dining with the tax collectors, and he says, you know, the well don't need a physician, the the sick do. Yeah. Um, the joke there is that, you know, the Pharisees were not well. Right. They were really sick, but they right. thought they were well. And so... Uh, Jesus is saying, hey, you who think you're well, I didn't come for you. If you think you're well, you don't need me. I came yeah. for those who confess their need of me and who who want help. And that's that's that really is what the church ought to be, is a group of people who confess their need of a Savior. Mm. And we the one thing we have in common is we need help. Yeah. Well, I guess, so that's, and I would say maybe there's a lack of clarity. That could maybe lead to the issue where... Even as someone who grew up in the church and, um, you know, went to a, a Christian college and you know, studied theology, uh, among other things, I don't really, I don't know if the church is a evangelistic tool or if it is a discipling, you know, um, right. cauldron or a, what's the term, a crucible, you know? So are we, do we reach out to people in the church? Is that, is that the goal of it is to, is to introduce people to Jesus or is it to deepen? Yeah. So, so you're asking, I think what's the purpose of the church, right? What is, what is its purpose? Right. And some people would say, you know, the purpose of the church is evangelism. And so it should be all about evangelism. It's helping people find their way to Christ. 
Other people would say, no, it's about helping Christians be equipped for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4, you know, God gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to mm-hmm. equip God's people for works of service. So it's about equipping. No, it's really about fellowship. No, it's really about worship. Mm-hmm. And so what is the church really all about? I'm in a master's program in organizational leadership, and we have uh, this conversation frequently about uh, customer satisfaction surveys and mm-hmm. um, quality um, um, traits of quality and 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 quality management and qual- you know what what is high quality and one of the things we've landed on. Uh, in one class was that quality is defined by the customer. So mm. uh, what quality is, is to exceed customer expectations. That's what's quality. You could say, yeah. well, this thing I have is of high quality. You should like it. But if the customer is not satisfied, it doesn't matter. They're the one defining sure. quality. It's totally subjective. Right. And so the problem with the church is that same question of what's the purpose of the church. You could ask it this way. Who's the customer of the church? Right. And is the church contributing quality to that customer? Mm-hmm. Well, pastors lose their way and churches lose their way if they misdefine who the customer is. Sure. So some churches say, well, the customer is the lost pagan person in the culture. And we need to design the church to be a place where that pre-Christian person feels comfortable, is attracted to it, and they can find Christ. Other people say, no, 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 because the church by definition is the people of God. Mm-hmm. Like the, the church is the Greek word ekklesia, called out ones. Uh, so you're not in the church, spiritually speaking, unless you know Jesus. Right. So that means that the church is the gathering of people who in whom Christ dwells. So therefore, the customer of the church is the Christ-dwelling Christian, Sure. and the, and the church should serve them. Well... The aha for me is the customer of the church is Jesus. It's his church. Hmm. So the one who gets to decide what's the quality of the church is Jesus. And the one who gets to decide what's the purpose of the church and how should the church occupy its energy? How should it use its resources? um, With what uh, should it consume itself? Um, Jesus gets to decide all that because it's his church. Right. And it's eye-opening for me as a pastor to say, I have one customer and his name is Jesus. So I can have unhappy congregants who say, I wish we did it this way or that way. Well, you're not my customer. Sure. Jesus is. But on a, on a very practical level, you know, what kind of music does Jesus like? What kind of worship <laughs> does he like? You know, does he like the lights in the fog? Right. Or is he an acoustic guitar kind of guy? Right. You know? So you go back to, since Jesus is the customer, he's the one who gets to decide what the purpose of the church is. So you go back to the scriptures and say, it was his idea. The first person to use the word church was Jesus. Hmm. And it was when he asked the disciples, hey, who are people saying that I am? And they say, well, some people say you're Elijah. Some say John the Baptist, Jeremiah, right. one of the prophets. Who do you say I am? Well, you're, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus makes this statement. Um, God revealed that to you, not man. And on the rock of this reality of me being the Messiah, I'm going to hmm. build my church And then he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which means the church is going to be this uh, force of the kingdom, this community of the kingdom that is an advancing force that's going to invade the space of hell. Like hell itself will not be able to stop the church. It it is a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a redemptive thing. Yeah. And so that 
gives us a peek into what the purpose of the church is. The purpose of the church is for the people of God to be built together into a dwelling place of God by his spirit, where we are as the people of God, as the church, because the church isn't a place, it's a people, right? that we invade hell. So um, are churches evangelistic or are believers evangelistic? Right. Who's got the mission? Mm-hmm. And so um, the customer Jesus would say, I want my church to be invading hell. Well, when you ask questions about music style, you are asking cultural questions. And the question is, well, whose culture? The Christian's culture or the the city in which right. it dwells? If I were pastoring in uh, West Texas, mm-hmm. we would be doing you know, country and Western worship, and it would be awesome. Yeah. I bet you, <laughs> you would think hate so. It. I know. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. So, you know, I always think that the music of the church ought to reflect the listening desires of that local community. Sure. Uh, but the point is that the the music has a purpose, and the purpose of that music is to glorify Jesus and be a connecting point to the community we're trying to serve, the community mm-hmm. we're trying to influence. Yeah. So then on the necessity of the church, though, you know, the big idea, do we need the church? If the church is the body of Christ and it is, you know, it is the invading force against hell, then I could see, you know, you you could say that we don't need the gathering. You know, we just need to go out and do basically um, missions. Just be the church. Yeah. Meet everywhere. With, right. Meet with friends on coffee on Sundays and, yeah, you know. So one of the confusions is that the church is a place. I go to church. Right. And uh, and and if, if, in fact, I am the church, then why do I need to go anywhere? Right. Exactly. And can I not just hang out with my other friends who are also believers? But one thing about the question, do I need the church? You know, people ask, can't I be a Christian without going to church? And when I go to church, I don't get anything out of it. It doesn't help me. Sure. And so the the thing that that whole conversation betrays is that you're looking at the church as a consumer. Right. What do I get out of the church? Why should I go? Is it worth my time? Should I give my money? Everything's from the my, 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 I, I, I. Yeah. And so, um, and and because I am a pastor, you know, I got skin in this game and people can say, <laughs> sure. well, you know, you, you're, but but I'm going to betray uh, I'm going to betray that because the church is not a building. And yes, you could meet with six believers in your house and you could love each other, love God, worship God. You could, uh, you could share the, the, the tithes of that group, mm-hmm. use that to help change the world, um, equip each other for the work of ministry and, uh, no, you don't have to be a part of a church, but but there's no such thing biblically as a Lone Ranger Christian. Mm. Uh, the New Testament assumes community, so that's the that's to me is the deal. My brother, uh, you know, my brother's a he's a Texas uh, good old boy, Jesus loving. Yeah, for the for the listener, my dad's brother is my dad times uh, crank to eleven. <laughs> all all of the gymisms that you may love or hate are just. Cranked uh, up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were having this conversation one time years ago in his life. You know, I don't really need the church. And I asked him, well, I wonder if the church needs you. Hmm. And that's a that's a, that's a a head-scratcher question because I haven't been thinking about that. I've been thinking about what the church does for me. Right. Well, inherently, the church ought to be, because you are the church, 
it, you don't go to church. You don't go to church to receive. You go to church to be a part of and to give to each other, to mm. build each other up. And um, so any community of faith that does that for you, that gives you a place to serve, that feeds you spiritually, that helps you connect and be equipped, yeah. that partners for the mission of Jesus, there's ways of doing church nobody's thought of yet. And it can take many, many, many forms. Um, but you, but what no, can't right. happen yeah. is I'm all on my own. I don't need anybody. Yeah. What would you say? So there's, I think there's a lot of uh, maybe stigma against uh, smaller groups like that to where there's less, less regulation, uh, less uh, like, like theological certainty with a small group. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like with the assemblies of God, there's a, a massive network of churches where if one of the churches is, you know, preaching something funky, they're going to, you know, maybe step down on it. And so, uh, what, what, are there any sort of red flags where you would tell someone if they're going, if they are, if there is a small group of church that they're going to attend or start, is there anything that you would say, this has to be done to make it a church? So you said connecting, uh, but you also mentioned tithe. If they're, if, if you can't tithe to the group, is it not a church? No, I don't feel that way. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to understand where you're going with that conversation. It's like, is there is there a bad thing? Is there a bad group? Is there could to be? What would make that a church or not a church? Right. Yeah. When you say there's a lot of freedom, what are the qualifications where you could say this is new, but it's still church? Yeah, I would say you know Jesus said wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I think boom, you've got church. Okay. Um, Health is critically important. And, you know, you mentioned earlier authenticity. Mm. So, uh, you know, we need our churches to be healthy and they need to be well-led and they need to be um, able to resolve conflict and accountable, mutually accountable to each other. Mm. Um, So the problem on the tiny, tiny church side is you can become ingrown and completely weird. Sure. On the big side, you can become so performance-driven and it's just a gathering where people come and consume a product. Right. Uh, and so those are, those are, those are traps that churches can fall into. Mm-hmm. I think, um, uh, the thing I love about the church is it's the people of God. Yeah, Ephesians talks a lot about this. It's a great book to read. If you, if you want to think a little more deeply about this whole idea, but, um, the church is the people of God who gather together to be living stones being built together into a habitation of God by his spirit. There's something that happens when believers are together that doesn't happen when I'm by myself. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, God is with me when I'm by myself and he can certainly do anything he wants when I'm by myself, but there's something powerful that happens. Ephesians talks about uh, each the body is strengthened by the strength that each joint supplies. A joint is two bones coming together with a joint to be to be powerful and mm-hmm. flexible and combine their energies. So there's something powerful when people in, in who are Christians connect with each other, join with each other, serve together with each other, do life together. Um, you want you want to not be able to hide. Right. You want to avoid anonymity. And so um, the thing I love about the church is that it's incredibly fragile. You see pastors who, who go to bed with somebody else's wife or they steal yeah. money or and it blows up a local church. 
Sometimes not even that extreme. Yeah, it can. It's people can argue over stuff and split the church. Yeah, rumors get 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 obsessed with the wrong stuff. Uh, churches can obliterate. They seem to be very fragile, and at the same time, the Church of Jesus is indestructible. Hmm. It's going to always be around because God is moving in His people's hearts, and so uh, I love that about the church. And when it's working right. It's one of the most amazing things on earth. Yeah. Well, so if, if unless you have more to add. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, talking about the, the Lone Ranger Christian. Yeah. Um, the uh, early, the the apostles, you know, Paul and the, and the early church, they seemed to be not Lone Rangers, but definitely Mavericks. You know, it was Paul and Timothy and they were just going out and, you know, heading west. And uh why, if they are kind of our model, them and, and Jesus more so, but, but them as well, our model uh, Christians, what's, you know, to stop someone saying, oh, I'm just going to go disciple the people. I'm just going to go preach mm-hmm. and, you know, wander around. You know, well, is that... certainly if they're gifted and called to do that, they should. Hmm. Um, but what those guys were given their lives to was establishing churches in every city. Hmm. And so the church was still the objective was to get a group of people who are the people of God together so that there is, you know, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. So <clears throat> in your town, you know, the church ought to be the one revealing the heart of God to its community. Hmm. So we care about the poor. We care about the disenfranchised. We move toward pain. We um, we contribute to the, disin- the, the, the disadvantaged. Um, we're a place for hurting and broken people to find health and recovery. That's what the church ought to be doing in this community because it reflects, you know, when Jesus came out uh, publicly and said, okay, I'm here, it's going to start now. Right. He quoted Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And he, and you go through the list to bring good news to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captive free. Uh, mm. It's all about these people who are, who are in need. Right. And the church is God's people expressing the heart of God toward people in pain. And... That's when the church is at its best. Um, And so I I keep thinking that I want to ask this question because I know lots of people who have given up on the church. Yeah. And you know lots of people who have given up on the church. And and I know people of every generation who have given up on the church. It appears that the younger generation is giving up on the church at higher rates. But my question is, what's wrong with the church? What's making people walk away? Man, I don't know if you're asking the right guy. <laughs> um, I think there's a maybe a distrust, again, maybe among my generation specifically, but also I think uh, a trap is is assuming that these problems that this generation has are new. Um, obviously, that's true to an extent. But anyway, um, there is a, uh, a distrust of established uh, structure. And and things doing things the way they've been done. I think for whatever reason, I don't I don't know why. Um, you know, kind of like that that Gen X rebel kind of you know punk spirit. Yeah. You know, why should we do the things the way our parents did them? You know. Yeah. That so kind of way. Let me ask you this question, since you you know you say I might not be the right guy to ask this question to. So let me ask it the other way. Sure. What does the church do for you, John? Why are you? Why do you care about the church? Why are you part of the church? Uh, I've kind of viewed the church as, well, I don't view it this way, but I, I, it functions as a sort of, um, touching back to, to base, to base kind of, Mm. 
if that makes sense. It's like, uh, you know, not that, not that I would be lost necessarily forever without the church. Cause I still have, you know, I have the scripture and I have the, the presence of God outside of the church, but it is my, uh, it's like a rest, the kind of a recharge at uh-huh, the end of the week. Uh-huh. And, um, if something throughout the week has kind of sent me asunder either with, you know, uh, questions or emotionally, uh, I come back to the church and it, and it uh, is a sort of recentering. Um, and that was kind of the nice thing about Northwest is, uh, and kind of, you know, it's a double edged sword because I was not in the community of, of non-Christians, uh, which is presents its own problems, but I was constantly in a community of reinforcement, mm-hmm. uh, which I think the church, uh, provides. So I, I guess that's what it, that's on the on the consumer end, on the me, 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 that's what the church provides myself. And what do you provide to the church? What is your gift to the church? I ask people often, you know, who are complaining about the church. I'll mm-hmm. have people say, you know, this is a classic. Um, I, I haven't been in church for six weeks and nobody called me. Nobody <laughs> asked me where I was. Yeah. And I ask them, um, who who have you seen absent themselves for a few weeks that you called? Yeah. And the answer is always, well, no one. Right. Uh, but they think the church ought to chase them, but they're not chasing anyone else, which means they think that the professional ministers should be chasing them. And mm. the the deal is, you know, the body meets the needs of the body. Everything we need is among us. And so um, the one of the problems with uh, current church is that the professional clergy do all the ministry and the members just give a little golf clap, you know, way to go. Well done. Right. Good preaching, good music, right. you know, good programs. Yeah. You go and, and get your concessions in the lobby. Yeah. And, you get your yeah. little coffee in there yeah. and you high five somebody and they took good care of your kids. And then your response, you know, what you're responsible to do is show up, have the ministry of attendance right, <laughs> and then drop some cash in the offering. Sure. And if you've done that, you've done your part and that's jacked up, man. That is like broke. Mm. because the church is the body and there are leaders within the church that God gifts to lead pastors, teachers, shepherds, evangelists, apostles, prophets, but the members are the ministers of the church. Yeah. And so when we inherently go to church to consume, we are completely missing this whole part of the thing where I'm a part of the body and we are all members of it. And when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Yeah. And we're really missing that dynamic. Well then, so what do you, what's the next step? So a person says, Hey, that, that's me. And I want to get involved. I don't play instruments. I'm not going to do, I can't do worship. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what's the, what do they do? Well, this is where, you know, the, the, the biggest thing we need is community. So uh, one of the things we try to do at Evergreen, because we are a sizable church, we try to grow larger and smaller at the same time Mm. so that people are finding themselves in little pockets of community where people do know your name and they do know your story. And if you don't show up for three weeks, they know it and they're reaching out to you because they care about you. You're a part of their life. Yeah. Um, So we need these pockets of community where we all belong and are known and we, we love each other pray for each other, visit each other in the hospital. You know, my favorite moment is when I go to a hospital to visit someone who's had a heart attack and there's already six people in the room from their small group who got there before the church did, you know, the church before the professionals did. Right. Um, So 
what, what we need is community and belonging. And then we need accountability where our mission in that little group of people is to help each other be better followers of Christ. And so a lot of people aren't looking for that. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't want you in my business. <laughs> sure. I don't want you to have an opinion about uh, the way I treat my wife. I don't want you to have an opinion about uh, how many toys I have and that I'm living on debt. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, stay out of my business. I want to be left alone. Sure. And that's an inherent problem because uh, part of our job for each other, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. We need we need these relationships. Yeah. So uh, what can the church, what can you do for the church? You can connect, you can belong, you can share your life, and you can care about the people with whom you're sharing your life. And then, you know, we're we're obsessed with this idea of oikos that God mm-hmm. has already given you a traffic pattern of people, family members, coworkers. Uh, neighbors, um, and that he's put those people in your life for your influence. So one of the things we do for each other is process how to help love and support and welcome mm-hmm. the people we bring, you know, to, to that group. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, when you, when you attend a church as a consumer, mm-hmm. it's like you're going on a cruise ship. <laughs> and so somebody feed me, somebody give me coffee, yeah. somebody give me great music, somebody entertain me, make me laugh, make me cry, make me feel, move me. And then I'll go off and do my life, you know, thanks for the thanks for the thing. Right. But when you when you're a when you're a Christ follower who's a part of the body, you are now a crew member on that cruise ship. Hmm. And your job is to paint the decks, deliver the drinks, take care of the kids, uh to see to it that the people who are visiting that cruise ship as consumers find community and get surprised by the presence of Jesus. And they actually become crew members with you. But when you're, so one great question to ask yourself is, am I viewing the church as me getting on the love boat or am I viewing the church as my opportunity to connect, serve and bring my best? Yeah. So when you think about that, cause I know that, you know, you're, you're a newlywed, um, you're really connecting to the church more than ever together now as a couple. Yeah. Um, what does that make you think about your and Lindsay's role into the church or your current degree of connection to the church? Yeah. Well, I, sort of a uh, a conviction I've had is that we've maybe used the newlywed excuse to seclude <laughs> ourselves, you know, <laughs> be like, oh, well, we're spending time together, you know, at home. That's like a priority. And I, you're definitely allowed to prioritize that, I'd say. To an extent where, uh, you know, spending time with uh, uh, the people you love. Um, but it's definitely the church has been more consumer focused for us recently. Um, but there are, I would say Evergreen does a good job of providing opportunities for serving through uh, or and, and serving in the, the area of uh, community in the young adults or not young couples anymore. Now just couples, couples, couples yeah. um, area. So, uh, so this is still a place, by the way, there is a legitimate pass on newlyweds in the, in the, in biblical times, um, a newlywed, uh, husband and wife were not expected to contribute anything for a year. Wow. Like they weren't, they, in the dream world, they wouldn't work. They wouldn't have jobs. Oh they would build their house because their land was, you know, they would be given the property by their parents. Okay. And they would spend that first year building their house and starting their life. 
and there would be virtually no expectations on them outside of that. Well, I can I can get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we want to really go back to the fundamentals. Yeah, well, I'm not funding that for you. So, well, I mean, if you don't want to follow scripture, man, that's well, that's, that's not in the scriptures. That was just at the biblical uh, okay. era of history. Anyway, you know, there's legitimacy about starting your family and all that, yeah. but but I think the the. I think the big challenge, I would say the way I would sum up this conversation, I'd love to hear your summary of what sure. your takeaway is. My my summary of this is that we don't go to church, we are the church. And anytime a person says, oh, look at that, the church ought to do something about that, what they're mm-hmm. confessing is, I should do something about that right. because I am the church. And so uh, it's purpose over preference, music styles, all that. It's all mission-driven to our one customer, Jesus. And... Uh, and the church calls me to give myself, to be a part. Um, I don't go to consume. I go to participate and belong and contribute. Yeah. So uh, as you think about all that, what would you say? What What might be Jonathan's next step in church life? Uh, getting more involved. I'd say we've done a good job of just being in a smaller community mm-hmm. and in bringing life to that community, but, uh, really they're all just our friends anyway. And there's nothing wrong with just hanging out with your friends and, and doing community that way. But we haven't, um, I use a lot of plural pronouns. I haven't, uh, given much to the church lately. So, um, yeah, I guess looking for a, a new way, a next step in, in supporting the, uh, you know, yeah, the church. yeah, you're faithful. You're faithful financially. I assume I don't look at giving records, <laughs> sure. Uh, but you're faithful financially, which makes a difference. We give money to orphans and feed kids around the world and all right. that stuff. So that's no small thing. Yeah, you. One of the friends you have is a couple you met in the couples class who was brand mm-hmm. new to the church, and you guys became friends with them. You helped them connect. They've now moved on to a different faith community, but that was a big part of you helping them find their way. They had just relocated to the area, and that was no small thing. Well, and I don't, yeah, not to be too hard on myself. I'm not, I'm not totally sitting on my hands, but we haven't, uh, you know, volunteer wise and, and, and more sacrificial, Mm -hmm. um, supporting of the church has been lacking except for financially, which, you know, if you had one dream for the church to improve its influence in the world, like if you would say, I wish the church would get, I wish the church would be better at this, or I think the church could connect to millennials better if it what like um where's one thing you'd like to see uh the the church and now we're talking about the organized body of christ yeah uh what's one thing you'd like to see different or improved in the church life yeah well what might be effective is um a so so we internally i think hold a a value on on this authenticity and this um this self-sacrifice but I think uh, the message that we shout is not that. Like when we're setting up billboards, if we're trying to invite people to church, we don't say, hey, come here and and support this. It's more come here about this or, mm-hmm. or, you know. And so I think the the message of Jesus in general is um, is giving up your autonomy. It's mm-hmm. giving up, you know, saying that I'm not at the, the helm of this ship anymore. Yeah. And that my time is not the most important time and that my you know it, it's it's just sacrifice in general and it and uh, that's a great that's a great point because yeah. you know jesus said unless you take up your cross follow me you have no place with me and and um 
when you think of modern church attendance, you don't think of people carrying crosses and denying right. themselves. You think of people uh, going to the hottest show in town, yeah. looking for the best speaker. Get the really, best seats. Yeah, get the best seats. Have that hip music. Who's got the best coffee? You know, who's scratching my itch? That doesn't sound a lot like carrying crosses. Right. So maybe if we were to put that more in the messaging to the public. So obviously in the sermons, a lot of churches are already talking about this. But in in it, our presentation uh, to the world outside of the church as um, as a place to go and serve, as opposed to a place to go and um, consume, that could be effective. But yeah. uh that's yeah. good. That's more speculation than anything. Well, hey, we hope this uh, conversation has been triggering to you and, and stimulated some thoughts. Uh, please email us um, if you want to ask some questions. You can submit questions and responses and comments below the yeah. the podcast. Right? Uh, yes. Yes. And if not there, we haven't quite figured that out. If not there, then on the website, jimandjohn.com. No H in the no John. No H in John. Just J-O-N. <laughs> um, and that's where you can email us, info at jimandjohn.com. Uh, you can also tweet at us at uh, Jim and John one mm-hmm. on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. You can find us at, at Jim and John or no. Yeah. Is there an ad in, twi- in uh, it's just Instagram? Jim and John, Jim and John. Yeah. That's a Twitter thing. So, right. Exactly. Was, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty scary. This 57 year old man knows a little bit more about social media than you do. Sometimes I, I never claimed to be <laughs> on top of this. game. <laughs> anyway, uh, subscribe to us. You can uh, pass this on to your friends. We'd love that. You can visit our website at jimandjohn.com, no H in the John, and there's blogs there. We'll we'll post a blog about this podcast as well, and you can read other blogs and comments there. We do have uh, one book that we've written together that's available on the website, mm-hmm. and um, we will be making, uh, we have some dreams for some eBooks and some other resources to, yeah. go, to go on there. So uh, stay tuned. I hope to listen to us next week. In the meantime, have a great week, and we're just really grateful you're a part of this with us. Yeah, and go to church. And go to church.